0: are at the end of chapter 3 of Ephesians and uh, I remind you of that and review those again as you pray and think about uh, our church and yourself as well. We'll ask the preacher to come. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. It is a blessing to be here tonight and um, once again you can take your Bibles open to the book of Ephesians and we'll be in chapter number 5 tonight. The book of Ephesians chapter number 5 and as Pastor mentioned, I hope you did your best amen to as people came to your mind to pray for them and you know you may not pray for all four things but you might just choose one of them um, and let God lead you um, about what a person needs prayer about but we ought to pray one for another amen and I hope that you spent some time today praying for people just as you were busy doing this or that as God brought people to your mind and tonight I want to look at another very practical message and these are just practical truths Because as we mentioned, the church at Ephesus, not that it was a perfect church, um, not that you can't learn from the church at Colossae or the church at Philippi or the church at Thessalonica or the church at Athens or some of the other churches that were in the scriptures, but really the church at Ephesus, you have more written about it than any of the other churches. Um, In the book of Acts, you have Paul that spent there for two to two and a half years. He made two journeys there at least. You have the book of Ephesians that he wrote to it from Rome. Uh, the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he sent Timothy to go to Ephesus, and that was instruction that he gave them to help the church at Ephesus. And so there's a lot in the scriptures about that particular church, and if you have your hand in Ephesians 5, go back to book, the book of Acts for just a moment, and let, let, let's read just, just a verse or two in Acts chapter number 19, uh, because it's very interesting, a little statement that is mentioned about this church. Um, Acts chapter 19, it's where Paul, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Having passed to the upper coast, he came to Ephesus. And so he is returning, actually, to Ephesus at this time. And he meets these men that had heard of the baptism of John, and he talks to them. But then look, if you would, down to verse number 8. It says, And he, Paul, went into the synagogue, and he spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And so we see this um, opportunity, we see the opposition, but then read verse 10, it says, and this continued by the space of two years, Hear the next statement, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Jews. And Greeks. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That when Paul stayed there in Ephesus and he preached and he taught, um, there's people debate whether Paul himself went out and came back um, or whether he just stayed there in Ephesus. That's really not a point of contention. But the fact is, is in that two years, that work in Ephesus, that church in Ephesus caused the gospel. Not that everybody got saved in all of Asia, but everybody knew the gospel, and he didn't have Facebook, he didn't have live stream, he didn't have printing presses, but they had the power of God, and they had the principles that God gives in the scriptures, and that's why sometimes even we as God's people, um, sometimes we, we look at things that we're doing, and we say, is it worth it? you just read what Paul spent time doing. What did he spend time doing? Every day, gathering a group of people together, and what did he do? Disputed with them. He taught, right? He had a group of people that he just taught the scriptures to. Um, They didn't have, you got to remember, they didn't have the Bible like we have today. But Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Um, The church was a mystery. The Bible talks about it being a mystery, a mystery, a mystery. And the apostle that God revealed that mystery to was Paul. That's why... God used him to write all these epistles and so Paul was spending all of these days gathering these people together and teaching what the church was teaching what doctrines were teaching all these things I mean could you imagine the book of Romans I mean we have it written but Paul had to teach those things and so sometimes we we look at even like services like this okay we Um, The word revival, and I know Pastor Matt just called it special meetings and I I appreciate that because revival is not something we can create. It's something only God can do. But there's a lot of value in God's people assembling together and hearing the teaching of God's word. It's called the foolishness of preaching. It's what God ordained. And many churches today have abandoned that um, because if they can't get a thousand people, if they can't get 500 people, um, then they just don't do anything anymore. But God God, it doesn't matter if there's just one person, amen. If just one person wants to come and sit and say, Pastor Matt, teach me. He's going to teach, amen. And I always tell people, you know, um, we're, doing, we're doing better than, than many tonight because Noah didn't even have this many, amen. You know? And we have we have we have a bigger crowd than Noah had, amen. And Noah had, Noah had to preach for a hundred years. And so I'm not saying all that because I'm not discouraged. I'm not worried. I believe in the principle and the power of teaching and preaching the word of God. And I'm glad that you came tonight to hear it. And so back to Ephesians chapter number five, I want to show you another truth that Paul gave to the church at Ephesus. Remember, he was concerned for them because we read last night in Acts where he gathered the elders of the church of Ephesus and he said to beware because there'd be grievous wolves and even among themselves, people would arise and cause division. And so he was writing these things to the church. And so, In Ephesians chapter number five, let's look at the first verse because it says, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Okay, so Paul makes a statement here. He says to be followers of God. I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it yet, but I want you to think for a second. What would you say is a necessity if you're going to be a follower of someone? What is something you're going to have to do? Submit. Submit, That's a good word. Watch them. That's a good word. Any other ideas? Follow. Follow, That's getting really close. All right. Really close. Uh, Madison, help me out for a moment, would you? All right. Come up here and help me out. All right. You're, you're, You're intelligent, right? Don't answer honestly. Okay. All right. Okay. So if I tell you to follow me, all right, follow me, all right, what does she have to do? Follow, but I'm looking for a word, an action walk. word. What does she have to do? Walk. Thank you. Walk. You can have a seat, all right? She has to walk, right? Because if, if, if she's going to follow me and I'm walking, what does she have to do? No, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, this is, I, I just want to, I want you to see that in your mind tonight, Because we're going to look in this chapter, and Paul started out and he said, be followers of God. There's lots of people today that say they are followers of God, but they're missing something. They're missing the walk. And three times in this chapter, Paul says, walk. And I want us to see those things that he says that we are to walk in or as because it's impossible to be a follower of God if we don't walk. Let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father in heaven, please, Lord, in the next few moments of time, God, would you give us a simple truth that Lord would not only help us in our lives, um, but God, I would guarantee tonight that every, every person in this room meets people all the time that say they are followers of God. But God, so many are missing the walk. And Lord, teach us tonight, instruct us, convict us, Lord, help us to see this, that it might be a part of our life. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look, if you would, right here in the scriptures, verse 1 again, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Here's the first one. What does it say? And to what? Walk in love. So if I'm going to be a follower of God, I have to have a walk in what? Love. Now, we we mentioned this last night that one of our prayer requests is we should pray for one another. We should pray for the church that people would be rooted, deeply rooted in the love of God. Amen. And right here, Paul says, if you're going to follow God, you have to walk in love. Now, he specifies the love, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And we realize today that there is a great misconception of what love is in the world today, all right? Um, When you, you know, February, Valentine's Day, everybody says love, 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 love. That's not the love that God is talking about. He's not talking about puppy love. He's not talking about love based upon feelings and emotions. Um, Honestly, I believe when you study the scriptures, love is not a feeling. There is a feeling that can come from love, but love is not a feeling. Love is a choice, Um, That's the, you will, at the end of this chapter, it talks about the home and the husband is commanded to what? Love his wife. And love is a command. We, we, it is something that we must make a choice that I am going to love and we are to walk in love as Christ loved us. And he goes on further to define it and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. So there is God's definition of love that love is a sacrificial giving, even if you get nothing in return. Have you ever thought about that? How many sins did Christ die for? All. How many people did Christ die for? All. The Bible's very clear about that. Is he getting all those people into heaven? there are multitudes thousands and thousands of people that are not going to be in heaven, not because God didn't love them, but because they rejected him. And yet so many times in our love, we put conditions on it, don't we? So many times in our love, we have an expectation of return. If we don't get the return, then we just turn off the love and say we don't love anymore. I want to read, a large portion of scriptures tonight. Hold your hands in Ephesians and take your Bible and go, if you would, to the book of 1 John, chapter number three. I don't think that I can describe love and what God expects any better than to simply read what God wrote in the scriptures. And so I am going to read a lot of verses. I'll comment a little bit on the way, but really just try to look at the verses tonight and let The word of God speak to you through the spirit of God. First John chapter number three. And of course, verse number one, it says, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. And that is just a good beginning verse that we should be amazed at God's love that he gave to us. Jumping down a little bit to verse number 14. It says, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Isn't that interesting? You know, we, a lot of times, we, 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 we look for signs or evidences of salvation. You know, well, so-and-so, they got saved, and so something changed outwardly, you know, uh, hair or clothes or words or actions, and I believe God will change those things. But did you notice what God really put an emphasis on? That when you have passed from death unto life, one of the greatest changes that should take place in your life is a love for God's people. A desire to be around God's people. Now sometimes we as God's people need that own change in our heart, amen? Somebody gets saved and the first thing they want to do is be around us. But they often don't look and act like us. Isn't that right? And we kind of want to push them away. It's kind of like a little child, a little baby. You know, they'll throw up on you. They need their diaper changed. They, you know, they'll scream at you, you know. But you take that little baby and all of those things, the fact that they throw up on you and their diaper smells and they scream at you are all evidences that they are what? That they've been born, right? (laughs) And we love them. Because if those things weren't taking place, you'd be rushing them to the hospital and saying there's something wrong with this baby. He's not acting normal. <laughs> and when somebody just gets saved, if they want to be around you and they love you, that's a good evidence of what? That they have passed from what? Death, Death unto life. Keep reading, look at what it says. Verse number 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Whew. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. There's something wrong with someone that has no love for the brethren. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's pretty powerful. That, that we ought to be willing to lay down our life for the brethren. That's a pretty powerful love. But I want to tell you something today. In our world, oftentimes the meanest people in the world are the people that say they love Jesus. Trust me, if you don't believe me, just get on the Internet and read what people say about other Christians. Well, I don't agree with them. That's fine, but but you shouldn't hate them. Right? And then you bring it into the church. And some of the most hateful people in the world are people that leave a church. And if God ever in your life, you ever feel in reason to separate from the brethren, please don't go out there and destroy the brethren, amen? What a wicked thing. That, God says we ought to be willing to lay our life down for the brethren, not hate them. Keep reading what he says, verse number 16. I'm sorry, verse number 17. But whoso hath this world's goods and see his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Look at verse 23. And this is his, what's that word right there? Commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We believe that, amen? But it doesn't stop there. And love one another as he gave us commandment. Look over in chapter number four of 1 John. Verse number seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God to us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. What is the evidence of the Spirit of God? Love. One for another. Verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God... And hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. And this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. How can we argue against that tonight? How can somebody say they love God and hate another believer? I didn't write it. God did. There's something wrong with our love. There's something we ought to get on our knees before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I I was bitter. I hated that person. They might have wronged you. They might have hurt you. They might have sinned, and you can't love their sin. But, friends, you still have to have love for the person. Love doesn't mean you allow someone to continue to hurt Love doesn't mean you allow someone to continue to do wrong, but we often cross the line and we begin to attack the person instead of the sin. In fact, sometimes it no longer even grieves us that they have fallen or that they're being punished. We almost step back in glee and say, yeah, they had that coming. Instead of saying, oh God, could you give them mercy? I'm just saying, when you read that, those verses, it's very challenging. And John chapter 13, you don't need to turn there, but John chapter 13 tells us, herein in shall men know that you are my disciples and that you have what? Love, one for another. So the first thing Paul says, if a church is going to be the church that God wants it to be, we must guard this area of love. We must have true love one for another. The love of Christ. It doesn't mean we tolerate sin. Actually, to be honest with you, true love causes us to go talk to the brother about his sin, not to everybody else about the sin. One of the greatest indicators that we're lacking in love is that we're not willing to talk to somebody about a problem we see in their life, but we're willing to talk to everybody else about it. That's not love. True love says, hey, brother, sister, could I, could I sit and talk with you? I don't want to hurt you, but I'm concerned about something in your life and, and I'd like to just show you what the Bible says about this. You say, well, what if they get angry at me? You still love them, amen? You don't go to them in a spirit of pride and arrogancy. It's a spirit of concern. If you are a person in authority over somebody, the Bible says you chasten the one you want. That you love. You know, if you you know, if a father doesn't chasten his children, he doesn't love his children. And if you have a spiritual child or a spiritual person you're mentoring, and you don't bring chasten in their life, it's obvious that you don't what. You don't love them. I'm not talking about waiting until they've crossed the line a hundred times and then you get angry and blow up at them and throw them out. I'm talking about true chastening, which is preceded by what instruction discipline let me show you let me let you see what the bible says so number one tonight go back to ephesians chapter 5 god says walk in love if you're a follower of god then walk in love as christ loved you continue reading as paul continues in verse 3 he says but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. But rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremongers, nor unclean persons, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So all those things we just listed and read and if you're not certain about some of those look them up study them but but God names these specific things of sin and he says don't have those things in your life God's going to judge that he's going to be wrathful on it but look at verse number eight the contrast for ye were sometimes darkness you see some of those things Used to be in your life. Some of those things used to be in my life. We all used to be in darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. Here's the second thing. It says what? Walk as children of light. Now I think the wording there is very important. It doesn't say walk in the light. It says walk as children of the light. Now that's important. Because Jesus said. Ye are the light of light. Of the world. Now, I believe we can say that we ought to walk in the light, in the sense that we ought to walk in the path and the light of the Word of God. But Paul said you need to walk as children of the light. Who's the light of the world? It's Jesus Christ, right? When you got saved, you became born again and you became a child of God. And he is no longer the light of the world because he left us to be what? The light of the world so we are to walk as children of light we're to walk as Christ that's why you know that little song we sing this little light of mine i'm going to let it shine you know <laughs> that's a powerful song right. because we are to shine we are to be Christ in this world we are we are to represent him correctly that's why all of those Activities that we just read from verse 3 down to verse number 7, 7 don't be partakers of those. Ask yourself a question. Would Jesus Christ do this? That's a serious question. Well, no, he wouldn't do that. What would he do? Well, I do know that Jesus Christ would sit at the table and eat with sinners, Amen. He went into the house of Zacchaeus. But he didn't go into the house of Zacchaeus and act like Zacchaeus. He went into the house of Zacchaeus and shared the gospel. And Zacchaeus came out of the house transformed. You know what? Christ did not refrain from touching the lepers. He touched the lepers, but he didn't become a leper. See, the Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are to walk as children of light. That's very challenging because the world is very sinful and very wicked. And there's all those things that are listed back there in those verses that we ought to consider in our life. And God should convict us and say, this shouldn't be in your life. But read on just a little bit later because I love verse number nine. It says, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Wow, those are three terms that should describe every activity that we participate in if we're walking in the spirit. They should be activities that are based in goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's walking as children of the light. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Wow. Once again, I didn't didn't make these things up. God put them in the Bible, amen. (laughs) That we should say, is this acceptable unto the Lord? If it's not. What should we do? Amen. We should change. We shouldn't try to change God. We shouldn't try to change the light. We are to walk as children of the light. Could I ask you a question tonight? When is the last time you allowed God to change something in your life? Is there anybody in this room tonight that's perfect? Is there any of us that are without sin? Let me pick up the stone and cast it tonight? No. So if we are willing to acknowledge tonight that none of us are perfect, so when is the last time we let God change something in our life? We sing the song, he's still working on me. Yeah, but are we letting him transform us into his image you know sometimes we can go months weeks and years and we're still the same we're not any different than what we were a year ago we haven't drawn closer to God in a sense where we allowed God to change us and take things that are in our life that are not acceptable and put them out we're not getting fuller with the fullness of God We're not letting Christ dwell in our hearts. That's why those things are important to pray. I don't think it's my job or anybody else's job to walk around and try to figure out what anybody in this room needs to change. It's the Holy Spirit's job. But if we're not listening to him, if we're not walking as children of light, then we're soon gonna walk as children of darkness because darkness will overcome us. Read, read just a little bit more here. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's a hard verse, isn't it? But that's what God says. If you're gonna walk as children of light, your life should reprove darkness. Because not only should your life Be more like Christ. As you get more like Christ, one of two things is gonna happen to the people around you. They're either gonna come along with you and get closer to Christ, or they're gonna hate you. Because when Christ began to reprove them, they picked up the stones, and they wanted to kill him. If you walk as children of light, it will be impossible for you to live peacefully among the world. Sooner or later, the world's going to say, we don't like you. Now, you still gotta love, amen? You still gotta be kind, but you need to be firm. Verse 12 says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret could i could i say kindly tonight we've lost that shame have we not we are no longer embarrassed by sin because we've lost the walk in the light verse 13 says but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. It's very easy as a Christian today to sit inside of our sanctuaries and complain and criticize the world. But the only reason the world is the way it is is because of the absence of light. Because light always rebukes the darkness. But today, what used to be considered darkness is now invited right into our own lives because we've let the light grow dim. And that's why Paul said to the church at Ephesus, and we'll see this a little bit more tomorrow night, walk as children of light. Keep the light bright that sin and darkness would be kept away. Is that not verse 14? Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Do we really want to make a difference tonight? We've got to wake up. We've got to say, Am I walking as a child of light? Or have I allowed my spiritual life to get dark? I say I'm a follower of God, but I'm only walking in the shadows. I'm not walking as a child of light. I'm walking in the, the gray areas, going towards the darkness. Tonight, let our heart be challenged that God would convict us and speak to us and say, could I clean you up and let you shine for me? You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be cruel. But oh, that we would walk as Christ walked. The last one that God gives us here in the scriptures is found in verse number 15. Because obviously there's a transition here because of the, the darkness, because of those terrible things and we need to walk as children of light. Verse 15, Paul says, See then that ye walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise. Now, that's pretty strong language. Do you like to be called a fool? I don't. In fact, the Bible even warns us to be careful of calling someone a fool. But God says the opposite of walking circumspectly is to walk as a fool. Circumspectly, to be alert, to pay attention. To be looking at what is going on around you. Not to take your head and bury it in the sand. Not to just close your eyes and say, I don't want to see what's going on. That's called foolishness. That's what God said. But rather we are to walk as wise people. People that know the scriptures, study the scriptures, see what is going on in the world around us. We know the heart of God and we, we search for truth and we say, God, open mine eyes, help me to see. And so Paul gives us some of the principles of someone that is walking circumspectly. What does verse 16 say? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's a circumspectly walking person redeeming the time not wasting the days uh you know the bible says someday we're going to give an account to god if god knows every hair on our head don't you think god cares about every second have you ever wondered how much time we waste and doing nothing i mean i i realize we have to relax don't don't take me wrong I realize that sometimes we need a little recreational type of bodily or mental things to entertain us for a few moments so that we don't, you know, over overdo it. But probably this generation is the most wasteful time generation there ever has been. I mean, people are captivated by meaningless things, meaningless conversations, meaningless activities, and and it used to be people read their Bibles and studied and prayed and wanted to know about God and wanted to know things. And today, most people spend very little time redeeming the time. And yet, as the days get more evil, what should we do? We should do it more. So, so Paul says, walking circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There, there's another truth about someone that is walking circumspectly. They're understanding the will of God. They, they, they really, if you come to them and say, what is God's will? Most people, I don't know. Well, how come we don't know the will of God? Don't you think we're supposed to? Aren't we supposed to know what God wants? Aren't we supposed to? I know we don't know the future, But have you ever even studied what the will of God is? Here's one of the things. The Bible says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Amen? Understanding the will of God, I'm supposed to be thankful. Amen? Give thanks to everything. Yeah, but you don't know how bad that was. Well, I probably don't, but you can still be thankful. Amen? Well, how can I be thankful? Maybe you need to come back to the scriptures. Understanding the will of the Lord. Look at what else he says. Um, verse, number, verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a boy to be, to be filled with the fullness of God, not to be caught up in all the other things. Verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, Sam was talking earlier how there was a, a song in his heart. And I, I wish I had time tonight just to expound on that great truth. You ought to have a song in your heart. You ought to. The Bible says so. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Why? Well, because before that he said being filled with the Spirit. One of the greatest things God gave to us to defeat the devil is a joyful song. You say, Well, I can't carry a tune. Who cares? Make a joyful noise. Be happy. Have a song in your heart. Sing to yourself. You say, well, that's crazy. Then you just called God crazy. It's a Bible truth. Learn to sing. Learn to get a hymn book. Take a hymn and sing it. You'd be surprised at the difference it makes in your life. It is funny when you catch yourself singing in the grocery store or the workplace. And people look at you kind of funny. But I'm going to tell you something. Your heart will be happier. It's just what God wrote. Look what else he says in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All these things is the circumspect walk. These are things that you determine to do on purpose. Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's that unity. That's that cohesiveness. That's that love. Now, Paul transitions here from verse 22 to verse 33. And he begins to talk about the home. But he's not really talking about the home in these verses. You know what he's talking about? The church. He's talking about the church. He's using the home as an illustration of the church. And how that the church can be exemplified by a proper home, the husband loving his wife, children that are in obedience, all of those things. And I'm not going to take the time tonight to go through all of those verses. But here's an amazing thought. It's kind of a transition here. Because oftentimes I've heard people say, you need a good church to make a good home. But that's not really true. You need good homes to make a good church. And too often today, we as believers think it's the church's job to fix the home. But that's kind of a funny thing because the home is the church, it's a part of the church. And we have a responsibility. To make certain that our home is the way it's supposed to be. Because if our home is not the way it's supposed to be, the church will never be what it's supposed to be. Now, let me, let me, let me take that where I'm going with this. What does a home consist of? Is Dallas a home? Is he a person living doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids running around. I don't even know if he has a dog, all right? But he's a home. Yeah. He's, he's a unit of a family, amen? He's a person. And Dallas has the responsibility to make sure he is who God wants him to be. I'm not picking on him tonight. I'm just using him as an illustration because a lot of times when we think of a home, we think of husband, wife, da 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 da. right? Am I a home? I am a home. My wife departed a long time ago, but I'm still a home. I still have responsibilities to be who I'm supposed to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? And soon Lydia's going to be gone. It's just going to be Grandpa Bill, the old man. Well, I'm not a home anymore. I can just do what I want to do, right? No, it doesn't matter. I have a responsibility to be everything God wants me to be. You see, if you're, a, if you're a father, you're supposed to be the father God wants you to be. If you're a husband, you're supposed to be the husband God wants you to be. If you're, the, if you're the child, you're supposed to be the child God wants you to be. If you're the single person, you're supposed to be the single person that God wants you to be. If you're the widower or the widower, you're supposed to be the widower or the widower that God made you to be. You understand what I'm saying? All of us. And if we're who we're supposed to be, walking circumspectly, walking as children of light, And walking in love, do you know what happens to the church? It becomes this amazing body that turns the world upside down. And tonight what I'm saying is while a church can help a home, ultimately you can be in the very best church in the world. But if you are not the Christian you are supposed to be, you're not going to help that church you're only going to hinder that church. I'm not saying that you should leave. I'm saying you should repent and walk in love. Walk as children of light. Start walking circumspectly and be the person that God made you to be and see what God does in your church, amen? Let's pray tonight. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray you would help us tonight. Father, these are very simple truths that you gave to your servant to write as your word. And God, that's why we know that they are still truths that we need today. God, we need to awake, Lord, tonight. We need to be stirred in our hearts. God, we need to be convicted. We need to be convinced. We need to be changed. God, we need to love one another. Lord, we need to Go out into this world and walk as children of light. And, oh, God, how we need to wake up and look around us. And, Father, let you speak to our hearts and respond. That we be not like the foolish, but, God, we be like the wise. And, Lord, I pray tonight that we would not worry about anybody else, but we would only allow your word to reflect on our hearts. That we might be the one that you would want us to be. Father, we pray this tonight. For just a moment before we leave tonight, I wanna give an opportunity, not necessarily to come and kneel and pray unless God would so tell you to do that, but before we leave tonight, would we take some time in prayer and let God speak to us and just say, Lord, show me what you want to show me tonight, that I would be the person, the individual in the church, that you want me to be. And would you let God convict you? Would you ask for his forgiveness? Would you ask for his help? And would you ask God to help you to be different tomorrow than what you were today? To be more like him and less like this world? So I'll be quiet for just a moment and allow you to pray do as if ever God would lead you and let pastor